And today, I actually wanted to speak from an angle that I've never spoken on before, but I believe as I was praying through really what to speak on on this topic, because a relationship is a pretty broad topic, I really felt specifically this topic, and that is boundaries in relationships. How do we set healthy boundaries in relationships? You know, boundaries are one of those things that we've all probably had the experience of someone who's crossed our boundaries. Someone who's offended us, someone who's overstepped a boundary, someone who's, who's uh, maybe it can be as simple as, come on, you have in-laws who show up at the house unexpectedly a little bit too much. Come on. If they're here with you, just look straight ahead. Not, not you, not you all. Uh, or maybe for you, it's, it's a coworker. Uh, who has a propensity to sort of uh, maybe lash out in anger at times at work, maybe emotionally vomit uh, at work that's kind of, a, kind of inappropriate. Uh, maybe for you it's someone who just offended you or sinned against you or talked behind your back. And the reality is we probably all have had experience where we felt our boundaries were crossed, whether or not we put words to it or not. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, he's a Christian psychologist, wrote a book on this topic of boundaries. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. In fact, he's written other books called like Boundaries in Marriage, Boundaries in Dating, to really kind of further flush out this topic. And he has a great quote on boundaries and, and what, what really they, they are defined as. He says this, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows where I end and where someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. So boundaries in our relationship actually give me a sense of freedom. What you're responsible for versus what I'm responsible for. As I was thinking of boundaries, I was reminded about two months ago was when we first got our golden doodle puppy, Toby. Uh, he's a little over six months uh, old now. And one of the conversations Christine and I had to have before we, we got him was, what parts of the house are we going to allow Toby free reign? And what parts of the house do we want to keep him out of? Uh, pet owners, you know this, right? There's a tension. So what we did, we decided that we need to keep him out of the upstairs bedrooms, namely our kids' bedrooms, because they have small toys, mostly Legos. Come on. And we thought he's going to eat those Legos, which won't be too good for him, and it won't be too good for our kids. So we're going to keep him out of our kids' rooms. So here's what we did. We have this, uh, this gate here that we essentially set up. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. Uh, I'll pick it up a little bit. And this gate we put by the stairs. And this boundary marker serves two purposes. It keeps Toby from going upstairs. And it also keeps Toby from our shoes, which have recently become his favorite chew toy. Can any dog owner relate? Anybody else, your dog always picks the new shoes, not the like shoes you've had for 17 years that are old and you got like on sale at Target, right? Come on. He's like, I'm going to get the brand new ones. Like there's something about the new shoes they just love. They want to chew on. So we put this boundary up. But how many of you know the boundary gate, hear this, in our house is not just to protect us and our stuff. It's also to protect him. And the same is true for boundaries and relationships. When we define and communicate boundaries and relationships, 
even though they're not observable, we communicate boundaries. It is actually for the benefit of the people we're in relationship with and for our benefit. In fact, here's how I say it. Healthy boundaries. In fact, this is kind of my sermon in a sentence. You can write this down. Healthy boundaries empower me to love you and myself. To love others and myself. And that's important for us when it comes to our relationships, that we put up boundaries. And here's what will happen if you don't put up boundaries. This is important. I've seen this play out in my own life. I have seen it in couples that I've counseled in marriage. Boundaries that are not defined and communicated. Hear this. When you do not identify and communicate your boundaries in a relationship, and when that boundary line is repeatedly crossed, what will happen is it will build up resentment. It will build up bitterness. I've seen it in couples. They've been married for 8, 9, 10, 20 years. And all of a sudden, one day, it seemed like something happens out of nowhere. But what it was was 12 years of unspoken resentment because of boundaries repeatedly, 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 repeatedly crossed. That was never communicated. So it's important that we identify boundaries and we communicate them both for the people in our lives' sake and for our sake. Are you tracking with me? You ready to get healthier relationships? One person. That's all I need. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I forget if I prayed already. If I, if I have, I'm just going to pray again. Let's pray. Father, we need you, Lord. Uh, we didn't come to hear a helpful talk. We came to have an encounter with you. And as we open up your holy word, we ask that you would speak to us, both corporately as a church, but individually, God. You know what's on the, the minds and hearts of every person. That you would speak to us, God. God, we even right now say, speak, your servants are listening. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 6, I want to read our main passage today. We're going to read a number of texts. But Galatians 6, uh, verse 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul actually gives a boundary for the Galatian church because here's what was happening. He was worried that they would violate each other's boundaries. That there would be some people who would take advantage of other people's charity. So he clearly lays out some, a boundary line here. Let's read five verses. Uh, verse 1 says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves... You may also be tempted. In other words, it's a boundary right there. Watch yourselves. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. I got three thoughts uh, from this passage on boundaries. If you're taking notes, here's the first one, is that we must embrace boundaries as love. We must embrace boundaries as love. I almost called this point, we must embrace boundaries as biblical. Because maybe some of you, you grew up in a church tradition or uh, maybe a, a home where boundaries were maybe spoken or unspoken as viewed as selfish. That to have a boundary, to communicate a boundary was somehow self-seeking. Now, let me, let me share this as I share about this message. Um, setting up healthy boundaries. Here's why it's important. Because when you have your boundaries repeatedly violated, boundaries eventually become walls. And walls shut people out. Boundaries define a relationship. Are you hearing me? 
There's a difference. So some of you don't, don't view boundaries as a justification of, I'm going to keep people out of my life. But no, it's, it's, a, it's a defining of a relationship. Boundaries are like guardrails on a road. They keep you safe. They keep you on the path that you should go on. But boundaries are biblical. Let me give you scripture, Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 16. This is the Lord speaking to Adam. This is the Lord God commanded the man. You are free to eat of any tree in the garden. Watch this. But you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. What does God do here? He gives a boundary. He says, Adam, have frolic all you want. Come on. Eat off of every tree in the garden except this one tree. And note that God says it's not just because I said so. It's because you'll die, Adam. Like I'm trying to do something for you. Boundaries are both a way to love others and love our, ourselves. That's what he was communicating here. Now, it's interesting because I, I was thinking in my own life that when it comes to boundaries and relationships, in my own experience, personally as well as in pastoring, a lot of times, some, sometimes we can have a hard time setting boundaries in relationships because they can feel maybe at times unloving or I don't know if this is right. But think about this. There are certain boundaries you have in your life that probably all of us have. For example, if I were to go up to you today, say, hey, how are you doing? Man, so glad you came to church. Hey, could I get your social security number as well as your bank password? How many would say no? Hopefully you all would, okay? I mean, I know I'm your pastor and all, but just don't give your social out to people. I wouldn't say to you, how unloving, right? But sometimes we can, we can feel that way, can't we? Like if we set a boundary, we can think, man, you set boundaries all the time. Here's another one. Ready for this? How many of you that when you left the house today, you shut the door and you locked it? That's a boundary, right? You put a boundary up. You didn't leave your door unlocked, open the windows. Come one, come all. The 55-inch TVs in the living room. No. Catch this, write this down. You put a boundary over your house because you value the possessions in it. And when you put a boundary in your life because you value the people, including yourself, in it, it actually communicates boundaries. When you don't have any boundaries, it communicates I don't value myself. And I don't value you because I'm letting you do whatever you want to do regardless of how it affects me or you or other people. So, again, I want to be clear. We all set boundaries. But there's some boundaries in relationships. Come on. It, because sometimes, can we be honest, it's easier to set a boundary by locking your door than it is set a boundary with your mama. Come on, somebody. I know we're coming up on Mother's Day, but listen, it's helpful for you to set a boundary with your mama. Right? It, it can be harder to set a boundary with your spouse. Hey, just because you're married doesn't mean your spouse can do whatever they want to you. Can I get an amen? Boundaries, boundaries define what is my responsibility, what is your responsibility. And I want you to hear this. Let me, let me share a scripture first. It says actually in Galatians 6 to carry each other's burdens and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. But watch this, verse 5, verse 5. For each one should carry their own load. Everyone say burden. Everyone say load. Burden by the Greek word means a significant weight, more than you can carry. 
load, by its definition, in the original Greek, it load literally means a weight assigned to an individual. Watch this. It actually means in the original language, it's non-transferable. It means I can't give you my load. Burdens are when life gets too heavy. We probably have all had a season, a month, a week, a day, maybe a year that was too heavy, haven't we? Maybe it's relational tension. Maybe you lost a loved one. I talked to someone first service. They would recently lost a loved one. That can be a season that's too heavy. You need some people around you to help you carry the load. Uh, maybe, maybe you're battling an illness. Maybe you have a loved one battling an illness. That can be a season that you're it's too heavy of a load. Maybe it's financial hardship after financial hardship. Maybe it's job loss. That can be a season. You need somebody to come alongside you. Sometimes lifting the burden is praying for you. Sometimes lifting the burden is listening, being a listening ear. Sometimes it's offering financial resource help. It can look a number of ways. But I want you to, I want you to hear this. A load is a weight that a person can carry by themselves. It is not loving to do for others what they can do for themselves. That's called enablement. Enablement's not loving. Enablement is not doing for others, paying someone's bill they could pay themselves. Doing, solving a problem for someone they could solve themselves. Because in the long run, you're actually shortchanging their life. It can feel like love, but it actually is not love is what Paul is saying. So make sure he's saying carry your own load. That's why Paul said to the Thessalonian church, if you don't work, you don't eat. Because what happened in Thessalonica, some Christians were taking care of the charity of other Christians. So they're like, I'm just going to go ahead and chill because my friend Steve is real generous. It's like, no, now listen, there are seasons when you can't work for obvious reasons, for physical reasons, for different reasons. But if you can work, he's like, you, you need to work. You're like, you need to be self-sufficient. So he's saying, listen, some of you need to carry your own load. And some of you, listen, but there are times that burdens get too heavy. That law of Christ he's referring to is Mark 12, 31. These are the words of Jesus. He said, we are called to love our neighbor as our Wait a minute. So I'm supposed to love people how I love myself. So I'm supposed to love myself. Anybody else notice sometimes in Christendom in the church we can sometimes forget that? And we can lay ourselves and not love ourselves. That we can actually hold more value on other people and we forget that you too were made in the image of God. You too are a child of God. You too are beloved of God. Now this does by no means... Um, excuse you from embracing agape love of Christ, which is a sacrificial love. Let's be clear about that. Jesus said they will know others by how well we love one another. But may I submit to you, if you have a hard time loving yourself, you're going to have a very difficult time loving others. And boundaries communicate, empower you to love people and to love yourself well. So we have to embrace boundaries as love. They're, it's love. It's biblical. It's love. Here's point number two. Is we then have to establish healthy boundaries. We have to establish healthy boundaries. Here's a boundary Paul spoke to in 2 Corinthians 6.14. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And what fellowship can light have with darkness? Here's what was happening in Corinth. 
followers of Christ in Corinth were marrying unbelievers, and then they were going into business with unbelievers. Now, Paul's not saying that we should not have relationships with followers of Christ. He's not saying that let's just all, let's get together, have a Christian huddle, and let's just say, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Paul's not saying that at all. In fact, the apostle Paul was involved in the culture. He's saying this, that be careful, because here's what was happening was, they were marrying people far from God and going into business people far from God, and they were allowing the people far from God to cause them to compromise their convictions. They were being conformed to the patterns of this world, Romans 12. That they were not being as Jesus commanded to be salt and light. What did Christ say in the Gospels? If salt loses its saltiness, it's worth nothing. He's saying maintain your saltiness. Maintain your bright light. And you are called to be in the world, Christ says, but not be of the world. So Paul, and he uses an agrarian metaphor to be yoked together. What would, oxen would commonly be yoked together. And when oxen were yoked together, it means that the, the, the oxen you were yoked to influenced the course and direction that you went. And here's what Paul says is be mindful that you're not yoking together with people who are causing you to compromise your convictions. Write this down. If you get nothing else out of this, this is really important. Because your most important relationship is your relationship with God. Not your relationship with your spouse, not your relationship with your friend, not your relationship with other Christians, not your relationship with your boss. The most important relationship in your life is with God. And if you get that one relationship right, can I tell you, because the Bible tells us this, every other relationship will be on a good course. If you get that one right. She said, don't let anything get in the way of that relationship. It reminded me of our honeymoon Christine and I went on this uh, cruise to different islands, and we went to Puerto Rico. And we went to um, horseback ride through the rainforest in Puerto Rico. Now, I hadn't been horseback riding in years. And it was our, it was our honeymoon. So, like, I was just, like, all about my girl. So we, we, they had us go through this orientation before we got on these horses. And your boy didn't listen to any of it because I was checking out my girl. I'm like, why are we doing this? Let's just go back to the cruise ship. I'll leave it there. Sorry. <laughs> Move forward. And I was, so we were, anyways, I get on my horse, and, and he gets, it's just like this, this, this pretty big horse. And the guy says, be careful. He's really wild. And he's young. I said, no worries. In my early 20s, I was wild too. So it's, it's all good in the hood, Okay. Jesus tamed me. I think I can tame him. So I get on the horse, and they put me in the very back. Christine's in the front. I'm in the very back with the guide. That's how, that's how you know something about to be off when they got the guide right next to you. I'm like, uh-oh. So, and true story, I have never seen this since. Um, but my, my, my horse begins to, to start off, and literally, I'm not, you can ask Christina this. He starts using his head. I've never seen this. He's headbutting. He's swinging his head, hitting the head of other horses. Like literally people on their honeymoon are falling off the course. And my, my, my like horse is like flexing. He's like, what? What? Like, like you know, like. And, and he's going off course on these narrow and windy paths on this like mountain. I'm like freaking out a little bit. And my guide is like, remember what I taught you. And I'm like, I didn't listen. (laughs) 
That's why I paid you. But, but listen, his, his way of getting there was not recommended, but he did get me right next to my girl. So I was like, okay, you went a little hard on that one, a little gangster. But I liked the outcome, okay. But what happened? The horse led me. I didn't lead it. Paul says, be careful that your relationships with people who are far from God don't influence your convictions. You influence theirs. Don't be careful. They cause you to bend your morals. You inspire their morals. Be in the world but not be of the world. He then said this in about a chapter later in 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, nine chapters later in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, don't be fooled by those who say such things, but bad company corrupts good character. That he's saying, in other words, your integrity is shaped by your community. You've heard it say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And it sounds cliche. And sometimes you hear cliches and you're like, okay, that's cute. That's not really true. Health Communications Journal in 2018 did a study, a meta-analysis of 39 different studies. And here's what they wanted to find. Is that they were looking at it from a health perspective. Is that do the habits, the health habits of your friends influence your habits in a significant way? And here's what they found, very much so. They can actually find that whether or not your friends eat vegetables influence whether or not you eat vegetables. That's why I don't friend anybody who eats kale. I don't, want, I don't enjoy trash in my mouth. And, I mean, true story. Um, they, they can look at how much alcohol you consume is statistically correlated with how much alcohol your friends consume. They found heavy drinkers usually have heavy drinker friends. Moderate drinkers have moderate drinker friends. They found whether or not you smoke cigarettes is influenced by your friends and so on and so on. Let me say this. If whether or not you smoke a cigarette or how much beer you drink or whether or not you eat broccoli is influenced by your friends, I believe, as the Word of God states, your spiritual habits are influenced by your friends. Whether or not you read the Scriptures whether or not you seek God and being in church. Probably some of you are here today. You probably have some friends who also are in church because our friends inform, influence, shape our future. So Paul's saying, be careful, be mindful. You know, in my years of pastoring, I've had many conversations. One last week, I've had very similar. People who are like newer to faith, this person was about a few months in. Six months in, and they were telling me, Pastor, I, I really want to pursue God with everything. And it was genuine. And they said, but it seems like sometimes I, may, I take two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes two steps back. So I began to kind of ask them questions, and they were, you know, they were showing up to church, and they were, again, genuinely wanted to pursue God. So I said, well, tell me about your friends. And here's what I found almost nine times out of ten. This is pastoral observation. This isn't like a, a study I, I have. But nine times out of ten, I found in those scenarios, it's usually because they have not developed new friendships with other followers of Christ. And can I tell you, you can try all you want. You can have the greatest intention. But if you, and here's what I'm saying. Paul doesn't say, once you come to Christ, just kick all of your other friends out of your life. Here's the key. Write this down is you need to redefine those relationships. Because can I tell you, okay, let me just give you context. Let's say you're following Christ and you're married. 
and you, ha- and you have a high value on marriage because the Bible holds a high value on marriage. You don't want to seek the counsel of your friend who has a different value on marriage. And when you have marriage troubles, they're like, go ahead and leave her anyway. You want someone of comparable values. Are you following me? When you're, when you're navigating life decisions, you want people who are pursuing God, filled with the Spirit of God, submitted to the Word of God. And if you wonder, why am I not getting any traction, I would say, well, check your circle. Who's around you? Who's speaking into your life? Some of you need to redefine some relationships from your past. The reason you're not walking in your calling as a new creation in Christ is because you're still dealing with your old man, your old woman, because you're dealing with friends from your past, and you're allowing them as much influence that they had back 10 years ago when you were far from God. What you need is to cultivate friendships with other Christians who can pray for you, who can speak life into you, who can encourage you with the Word of God. I'm preaching better than you all responding. That's okay, though. But we need to make sure we're cultivating healthy friendships with followers of Christ. Look at the words of Christ, Matthew 18. He says this, verse 15. If a brother or sister sins against you, or sins, go and point out their fault on social media. (laughs) Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. I want you to hear this. This is, this is a really important part about boundaries because Jesus is teaching on boundaries here. The goal of boundaries is not just to protect yourself. It's to serve people. He says you confront them in their sin in the hopes to win them over. Not to be like, I told you so. Not to be like, I was right, you were wrong. See? No, it's so that, man, they would see the error of their ways. Man, you hurt me. Man, when you talk behind my back, it really hurt me. Man, when you said you were going to do this and you didn't, man, it just it, it disrespected me. Your hope to win them over. But if they will not listen, then post it on IG. <laughs> Blow them up. Take one or two others along. Bring, bring another person along with you. So that every matter will be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Again, The intent in all this process is to restore them. It's to help them, not to to diminish or devalue them. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, which means tell it to other followers of Christ. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. In other words, draw a boundary. Draw a boundary line with them. Don't allow them to have the influence you once did. Let me just say this. This is for somebody here. That, that if someone offends you, and maybe they're a repeat offender, and they haven't shown remorse, you don't have to work for reconciliation. Sometimes it's actually the best for you to do what Jesus says and draw a boundary. Hey, I love you, but I'm not going to have a close relationship with you because it's not helpful for neither me nor you. Are you hearing me, church? Forgiveness is not reconciliation. You're called to forgive every time. What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. Peter was like, you sure about that, Jesus? (laughs) But you're not called to reconcile and be best buds if they haven't shown remorse. They haven't repented of what they've done to you. But boundaries benefit both parties. That's important to note. Because sometimes the whole boundaries can be... Listen, if, if, if the boundary you're setting 
doesn't bless both parties. It might actually be a wall you've erected. And you're saying, keep out, dog will bite. <laughs> yeah. That might be a wall, and walls aren't what God's calling us to set. It's a boundaries to define relationships. The Proverbs 22, 24 says this, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who's easily angered. Uh, well, there's another, another proverb that says this. Like, it says, don't bail out an angry person. For you'll just have to do it over and over and over again. There are some people who will take emotional advantage of you, the proverb says. And if you bail them out, if you, they're going to keep reoffending, 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 reoffending. It's okay to draw a boundary. It's okay to love them from a distance. Can I tell you, there are some people maybe in your life you need to love from a distance because they may just keep reoffending and reoffending and reoffending. I love what the proverb says above all else guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23. For everything you do flows from it. That word heart translates thoughts, emotions, and values. Guard your heart, guard your thoughts, guard your emotions. Guard your values. Don't compromise your values. You know, my seven-year-old son Judah inspired me two weeks ago. He, uh, he's playing soccer, spring soccer. He's really gotten into soccer. And they were playing a team, and his team was blowing out the other team. It ended up being a 12-2 game. And I, I was super proud of my son, he, but not just for his performance. He scored three goals. I was proud of that. But the last half of the game... The other team was being beaten so bad that some of the players got frustrated. And there were two particular players. One was like kicking other uh, Judah's team in the shins, just missing the ball and kicking their shins, including Judah. And then this other kid started like pulling Judah's arm. So while Judah was like dribbling the ball, he was pulling his jersey, pulling his arm back. And the whole time I was most proud of him, I told Judah when he came off the field, I said, I said, um, I said, son, I'm most proud of you because the entire time that this kid was pulling on you, you never lost your cool. Um, and I said, and at one point, he, like, talked to the boy. I saw it. I thought he was talking trash because if I was out there, I'd be talking some trash right now. I'd be like, <laughs> pull on me all you want, 12-2. <laughs> Apparently, my son's more holy than I am because I'm like, talk that trash. Pray for me. But I'm just being honest. I probably would, okay? Um, so I said, what would you say to him? And me, meanwhile, let me just say this too. While I see this happening, pray for me. <laughs> I realized who the boy's father was. I was like, I'm going to go talk to him after the game. A true story. I was like, I'm about to go t- talk to him and say, Lynn, if your son p- puts his hands on my son again, you're about to catch these hands, son. <laughs> Listen, I'm saved, but I still got a fight in me, okay? Like, I haven't used these hands in a while, but they still work, okay? I might be 40, a little slower, but I'm strong. True story, I was getting frustrated. And I said, Judah, what did you say to the, because the boy stopped. He said, I turned to him and I told him, stop. I said, oh, that's It's a good word. That's a good, such good son. Um, true story. I, then I, we went to leave, and twice, I think the Lord was testing me. 
twice, like the boy's son walked right in front of me and I almost said something. I was like, Holy Spirit, help me. And then I go to pull out the parking lot and the dad walks right in front of my car. In my flesh, I want to stick my head out and give him a little peace of mind, a little blessing. But I was like, no, Lord. But what did my son do? He clearly communicated a boundary. Stop. What you're doing to me, I, I don't deserve. He didn't do it mad. He didn't clench his fists. I was more emotional on the sidelines. But he said, stop. And that's what it looks like to draw a boundary. When that coworker belittles you, hey, I'm sorry you're frustrated, but I do not deserve to be spoken to in the tone you're speaking to me. When your spouse who said they were going to take the trash out, and for the past four weeks you've had to, and you communicate, when you do not do what you say you're going to do, I feel disrespected and devalued. You're not mad. You're not emotional. You just clearly communicate, no. No. In the same way, when, when told each other to come to that boundary, we tell them, no. Is you're just communicating in a respectful tone, in a loving tone. Again, here's how you can keep your emotion under a check. I learned this from my son. <laughs> is you keep the intent in your heart is to both love them and love yourself. I'm not trying to get even. I'm not trying to prove my point. I'm not trying to push them away. So when, when that person, when your in-laws keep showing up at your house unexpected, can I be real? Can I step on some toes right now? If you're that in-law, just stop on behalf of your children right now. No, in all sincerity, is you communicate, hey, mom, dad, I love you. I love to spend time with you. But you showing up to my house unexpected is not fair to me and my spouse. And you just communicate a boundary. You put a boundary up with them. That your boss who keeps demanding you answer your phone late at night when you're home with family, when you're in bed with your spouse, or when you're having some personal time, is you communicate, I didn't answer your phone call. Because I was with my loved ones. I was having rest time. And I will address it in the morning when I'm back at work. Now listen, let me just prepare you. I've learned this personally. When you set a boundary, not everyone will like it. But I'm telling you, it's for your benefit and for their benefit for you to lovingly and clearly communicate a boundary with them. Above all else, guard. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Brene Brown says this, if we fail to set boundaries and hold people accountable, we will end up feeling used and mistreated. And here's what will happen. When you have boundaries in your life that are repeatedly crossed, they can be as simple as your spouse not washing the dishes when they said they would. It can be as extreme as someone verbally assaulting you. When you have repeated boundary lines compromised, bitterness and resentment will build up in your heart. And the Bible says bitterness defiles many. It will, it will, it will begin to, to rot the insides. It will begin to erode trust in relationships. And sometimes there can be unhealth in a marriage. There can be unhealth and dysfunction in a family because maybe there's an unspoken, there's unspoken boundaries. Let me just say this too because I've been guilty of this. 
Boundaries that are not communicated are ineffective. You cannot expect someone to hold a boundary you've never communicated. So you can't blame your spouse if you never communicated to your spouse. You can't blame your boss if you never actually communicated. There's a boundary there because they're stepping over a line they didn't know was there. Here's the third and final point. You have to embrace boundaries, their love as love. You have to establish healthy boundaries. Thirdly is you have to then exalt God's will. You have to exalt God. Let me, let me give you a scripture. Verse 4 of Galatians 6, he said, each one should test their own actions, Paul says. Meaning you should know the motive of your heart when it comes to setting boundaries, when it comes allowing your boundaries to be violated. And here's what I found personally in my experience in my own life, in my experience in pastoring people, and even before pastoring when I was a psychologist. Here's what I found. A lot of times, and maybe you've been there, we'll allow boundaries to be violated. We'll allow, you'll allow that family member to overstep their bounds in your marriage. You'll allow your boss to demand too much from you. You'll allow your spouse to repeatedly drop the ball because we struggle with Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man. Here's the cultural term we use today, people pleasing. The fear of man or people pleasing or peace keeping proves to be a snare, a trap. Some of you woke up. I saw it. It's okay. You're forgiven. Here's the boundary line. Don't sleep in church. I'm just kidding. It's a snare. But those who trust in the Lord are safe. People pleasing is a painful trap. What it does, it restricts your freedom. Because here's what happens. When you are modifying your life, your behavior to be accepted by your spouse because you fear rejection, you're in a trap. When you don't speak the whole truth to your boss because you're afraid of failure or, f- or of being fired, you're in a trap. When you don't communicate to your friends your boundary line, you are in a trap. And that trap actually restricts you in living freedom of who God's called you to be. You are conforming your life and your behavior and your words to their expectations of you because you're afraid of rejection. That's the fear of man. It's a trap. It's a snare. And it holds you back from all that God has created for you in this life. A big part we are struggling with the fear of man. And I, and please, I, 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 I teach this message not as up here as I have no problems. I am a recovering people pleaser. Anybody else? I'm a recovering. I still fall back sometimes. Because we like to be accepted. Can we acknowledge that? If you like to be rejected, you have a whole other issue. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, you should probably talk to a counselor. <laughs> 
But we want to be accepted, right? No one likes to go into a, a, a social group and be like, everyone's like, oh. We want to be accepted and liked and loved. It's natural. But listen, there is only one person who will accept you without condition, and his name is Jesus. Psalm 2710. This is David. He says, even if my mother and father abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Some of you felt that pain. Maybe for you, you had a parent walk out on you. Maybe for you, there's like this tension with your parent. And here's the good news of the gospel. That even if your parents abandon you, God always accepts you. That even if your boss rejects you, God will always love you. God knows everything about you and he still loves you. He still accepts you. He still wants to be with you. He still desires to have a relationship with you. And listen, when you rest in the acceptance of God, there is nothing that no one's rejection can do to me. I can be abandoned by all. I can be rejected by all. But I'm accepted by my Father in heaven. He wants to draw close to me. And one of the antidotes of overcoming people-pleasing or the fear of rejection is knowing who you are in Christ. Let me encourage you this morning. Here's, here, here's who you are in Christ. Here's some truths about your relationship with God. Hebrews 13, 5, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians 1.30. That you are a beloved child of God, Galatians 3.26. That you are forgiven and redeemed, 1 John 1.9. And that nothing can separate you from God's love, Romans 8.39. In 1 John, John writes, perfect love casts out all fear. Fear of rejection, fear of not being accepted, fear of being fired fear of not being loved, fear of being ostracized, fear of being canceled, fear of all because he loves you. And he says, I want you to be you and how I created you. Because when he looks at you, he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knitted you in your mother's womb. So do not conform your life to somebody else's earthly and low expectation, but be who I created you to be because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And even if you get rejected, even if you get ostracized, even if the ones you love abandon you, God in heaven wants to draw close to you. I love what Paul said in Galatians 1.10. He said, for my, people were accusing Paul of being a people pleaser. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He says, listen, and this is key, the, the other antidote of how you as you know who you are in Christ, you submit to the will of Christ in your life. You know, Paul, if you read his letters to the epistles, do you know how he signs them? Paul, bondservant of Christ. 
Paul, bondservant of Christ. What if we started writing our, our, our email signatures or our name with all of our degree letters? Jeremy Burroughs, bondservant of Christ. You know what a bondservant is? A bondservant who willingly enslaves themselves. Paul says, I am a slave to no one, but I am a bondservant of Christ. I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am a bondservant of Christ. But here's what will happen. I'm going to close with this. Even as you break off the chains of people-pleasing and the fear of rejection, people will offend you. People will still do wrong to you. I was reminded of what Paul said in Ephesians 4.32. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another. You know, the scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Can I say this? It's not your harshness that will get people to change. It's your kindness. He said compassionate. It's the compassion of God. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. His grace is sufficient. Your cruelty will not change people. It's your compassion. Check your heart. Be kind and compassionate to people. And then I love this. He says, forgive others. I, I think this is my, my hunch. I think, I think Paul wrote this for himself. He says, forgive others just as Christ God has forgiven you. I think Paul needs to remind himself. Because here's why. You cross God's boundary all the time. The Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. When you, when you allow yourself that pride to creep up and you look down on that person because of their lifestyle, because of what they did at work, you cross the boundary of God. But his mercies are new every morning. That when you, allow, when you allow greed to grip your heart and you think, if I just had that car, if I just had a bigger house, oh, if I just made 10,000 more dollars, then I'd be content. You cross the boundary because godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment's not found in things. And his grace is more than sufficient when you offend his boundaries. He's not in heaven mad at you. It's his kindness and his compassion that brings us back to repentance. And he forgives you. I close with our story of my, my, my dog, Toby. So we put this boundary up, you know, we, we got this boundary and um, we thought, you know, this would communicate to him. You don't go where this fence is. And the first few times we put this in, like what happened was, he's actually learned this. In fact, he did it this morning, true story. He uses his like a little, little nose, a little adorable nose. And he knocks He'll knock the fence. He did this morning. He knocked the fence, and he went in there to put a shoe in his mouth. The first few times he did it, I was like, Toby, we've had conversations about this. Even when you listened, I called you good boy, and I gave you a treat, your favorite. 
chicken jerky. But after a while, I realized this. Puppies are going to be puppies. They're going to cross boundaries. They're going to chew up another shoe probably. Probably chew up another shoe. He's going to keep grabbing our socks and taking them back to his crate. He's going to keep violating boundaries. So you know what I've learned to do? As Paul says, just forgive. As the proverb says, you overlook an offense. I'm thinking, Jeremy, how does that relate to me? People are going to be people. Your coworker is going to mistreat you again. Your spouse is going to say, I'll clean the dishes tonight. And you'll wake up another morning, and they're sitting right there. In fact, he added to it. <gasps> that was real for some of you. You feel it right now. You feel that tension. Listen, people are going to talk behind your back. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to lash out in anger towards you. They're going to overstep their bounds. Your in-laws are going to show up once again unannounced. They're going to give you marriage advice when they shouldn't even be speaking into it. They're going to be overstepping, overreaching, violating, offending, sinning against you over and 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 over again. So what do you do? You forgive. As Christ has forgiven you, as you sin over and over and over and over and over again. There's only one perfect person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Bow your heads with me, church.